As Shane said, there was a flurry of texts yesterday about uh, Ryan not being able to be here with us, and so he asked me if I would be able to share this morning in his place, and we talked about uh, continuing on with Philippians, and that's what we're going to do. Um, by the way, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Steve, I'm one of the elders here, and uh we're going to continue on with Philippians today, uh, starting with chapter 2, and we're going to do the first two verses. And over the past weeks of our, of our study in Philippians, we've learned a lot about our calling to maturity. And we've learned about the part that suffering plays in maturity. And we've learned about the challenges that we have in our maturity by examining our love and purpose and unity. So now Paul begins to unpack more about that unity and what that entails for us. And so before we begin with reading the scripture, I want to pray. Father, thank you that you have brought us to a place of studying about the maturity that you are calling us to, to a place of studying about the unity that you are calling us to, the purpose, the love, and the suffering. We thank you, God, and we praise you for that. May our hearts be open to what you have to say to us today, and may we receive it for your glory's sake. Amen. So in this, in this uh, scripture, we read, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Before we go on with, uh, with the sermon, I want to give a little illustration. Because unity does not mean the same as uniformity. And I think most of us understand that, but God's given me an illustration many, many years ago uh, about this concept. Uh, how many of you like coffee? Raise your hand. Yeah? Like coffee? How many of you like Instant coffee. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, there is one. All right. Okay, because it's coffee. Right, all right, okay. So if you take some instant coffee and you put it on a plate, right, what do you have? You have granules of instant coffee, right? So thus take some sugar, put it on that plate. Now you have granules of instant coffee and granules of sugar. Now, let's take some creamer because a lot of people like creamer in their coffee, right? So we'll take some powdered creamer, you know, the, the powdered kind, and we'll put that in there. I know, this is terrible coffee. <laughs> Maybe that's where the illustration breaks down. I don't know. <laughs> but... <laughs> 
But you take some powdered creamer and you, you mix that in there and you have granules of coffee, granules of sugar, and granules of creamer. Now, are they one? No. So let's mix them all together so that they're all intermixed well. Now are they one? No. So let's do something else. Because we can see the difference because the coffee is black, the sugar is white, the creamer is whatever creamer looks like. I don't know. <laughs> so let's spray paint them, right? Let's spray paint them. So we spray paint them blue, right? Now we mix them all together. They're all sprayed and painted blue. Are they one? No. That doesn't help any. So you can still see that the coffee is a different shape and size than the sugar. And the sugar is a different shape and size than the creamer. They're all different shapes and sizes. So let's take them, put them in a, in a crusher and crush them all up into one powder. Right? Pour it back on the plate. Mix it up. Now, are they one? No. Because if you really wanted to, but nobody would, you could separate out the, the coffee and the sugar and the creamer, right? So there's no oneness there. But now, what happens when we add water? So let's take the coffee and put it in water. Now, let's do it without the spray paint. So... <clears throat> So we take the coffee, put it in the water, and what happens to the coffee in the water? It dissolves. It becomes one with the water, right? So let's take some sugar, put it with the water in the coffee, and the sugar becomes one with the water. And then we take the creamer and put it in the water, and the creamer becomes one with the water. The creamer, the sugar, and the coffee become one because of the water. The unity of those three elements is found in their common oneness with the water. And that's the illustration for us that our unity as a body of Christ, because we are all so different, we are all so different in so many different ways, we couldn't even enumerate all the different ways that we are different. Our unity is found in the oneness that we have with Christ Jesus. The oneness that we have with the Spirit of God. That's where our oneness and our unity come from. So let's go on. What is Paul telling us about this maturity? If we look at the first verse, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So as we've been talking about the maturity and that that is our calling, we see that Maturity is expressed in unity. And that, that unity leads to joy. He says, make my joy complete by being one-minded, by being unified. 
by being one. As Sims pointed out last week, that's what Christ prayed for, is our unity in chapter 17 of John. So these are important, this is an important issue here, that even Christ in his high priestly prayer prayed this in John chapter 17, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Now that's a very tight oneness. That's not just, hey, how you doing? Good to see you this week. Have a good week. God bless you, brother, and go on. That's a oneness because of the Spirit of God that's in us. So this is what the maturity and the unity and the joy is being brought out here in this, in this passage. So as we look at this, Paul is expressing in this first verse, he's expressing to us about our identity. He's talking to us about our identity. He says, if there is any encouragement from being one with Christ... So he's talking about one with Christ. What does one with Christ mean? That means that's who I am. That's my identity. That's who I identify with. That is who I am. How do you say this? If somebody asks you, who are you? We often will talk about, well, well, you talk about what you do, right? What your job is, where you come from. I come from wherever, right? Fort Wayne. I come from Auburn. I come from Indianapolis. I come from the East. I'm from California. Wherever you're from, right? We talk, that's, that's part of our, what we think of our, as our identity. We think of our identity as what we do, our jobs, our professions. That's our identity. We think of our identity as the people that I'm with in my family, where I grew up, how I grew up. That becomes our identity, right? But here, Paul is reminding us that we, we need to transfer our identity from those things to our oneness in Christ. We need to transfer our identity from that to make our identity what we consider our identity. What makes me, me, is Jesus Christ. That's where our identity is. And that's what Paul is talking to us about. Now, Paul brings out a very interesting thing. How many of you like computers or know about computer programming or anything like that? Right? All right. There's a basic logic, right? It's called, oh, I skipped a point. Sorry. (laughs) And that identity in Christ is what brings us into our unity in the community that we're in. That identity in Christ brings us to that unity in our community. So, if then, in computer programming, if then is a basic fundamental principle used in computer programming. If then. If this is true, then this. Otherwise, then do this or this is true. If this is true, then do this. If the responder, the user of the computer responded by pressing continue, then go here and continue. That's something that most of us do, right? We hit continue or we hit back or whatever or cancel, right? And that's a simple logic. 
And that's what Paul is using here. If this is true, I want you to keep this in mind. If this is true, then do this. And that's what he's presenting here to us. He's not saying, well, let's let's, let's just go on. So he first says, if there is any encouragement from being united with Christ, if that is true with you, what does it mean to be encouraged by being united with Christ, by being one with Christ? He brings us back to that identity, who we are as a people, not only as a collective people, right? Because a lot of times we think of as the church, we're collective people, right? So we all would say, yes, we're united with Christ. But we need to bring it down to the individual, to the person. And I need to remind myself, and he's bringing back our memory, if it is true, am I united with Christ? Yes, I am. Well, what encouragement do I get from that? And that's the word that we focus on. What encourages me from being united with Christ, from being one with Jesus Christ? What encourages me in that? A lot of us will wear a cross on our neck or a cross somewhere, or we'll look at the cross, right? Do we get encouragement from that? Do we go back to that and think about what Christ has done for us? Are we encouraged by that? And so he's telling us to go back to that, to think about the encouragement you have from Christ. That's what he's saying. He's saying, go back and think about the encouragement you have from being one in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. Actually, I I looked it up, and in the King James... That phrase, in Christ, is found over 80 times in the New Testament. I think our identity is important. Amen. It is the foundation for our Christian lives. Paul in Colossians even says that our lives are hidden with Christ. And he says that Christ is our life. So we think back to What encouragement do I have? I have the encouragement that I am saved. I am saved. I'm saved from my sins. I'm saved from my own selfish ambitions. I'm saved from my own sinful desires. But I'm also saved from the guilt of my sin, and I'm saved from the punishment of my sin. Is that not encouraging? Yes, that is encouraging. So we go back to the cross, go back to our unitedness with Christ. Why am I encouraged? Where is that encouragement coming from? So Paul then reminds us to think about the amazing love. We love singing that song, amazing love, right? How could it be that thou, my God, would die for me. Amazing love. It is amazing love. Think about it. It's no greater love than that, Jesus tells us. 
God's love is an amazing love. The love that he has shown me, the love that he has bestowed upon me. And not just in the fact that he died for me and died for my sins, but in the fact that he continues to love me today, every day. He continues to to move forward in my heart to dig down deep and, and, and heal the wounds that I have, the fears that I have, the doubts that I have. And he does it gently. Yes, he does use suffering, but still, it is his love. Even his discipline is because of his love. So, do I have any comfort from his love? Yes, because that is the one thing that I desire the most, is to feel and to know that I am loved, and loved unconditionally, and that is what God does. Amen? He loves us unconditionally. So Paul's telling us, think about the encouragement you have from being one with Christ. Think about the awesome love and the comfort that that provides for you. And then Paul says, if there is any fellowship with the Spirit, he reminds us of the fellowship that we have with the Spirit The Spirit of God is in us. Is God in you? We are a temple of the Holy Spirit, correct? So if the Spirit of God is in us, then His Spirit, as it says in John, His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. We can communicate. We can commune with the Father. We can communicate with the Father. We have this oneness with the Father. We have this fellowship. We have this joy that we share because we are talking with each other. We are spending that time in prayer. We are talking with him and he is talking with us. We get this communion with him. And there is this connection. So he's saying... Get the encouragement from being one in Christ. Remember about his awesome love and the comfort you receive from that. And focus on this fellowship you have with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Almighty, all-living God. He's the God that created the universe, and he's given his Spirit to you. Put his spirit inside you for what purpose? Not because he needs a place to put it. He put it there because he wants to commune with you. That's an awesome thing. The God Almighty, the God of the universe who created everything that there is, wants to be intimate with you. How do you rate? How do I rate? Why am I so important? We are not, but God's love for us, towards us, is so great that he wants that intimacy with me. I'm not that important, but his love is great. And that's what it's all about. His love is great, and he desires that intimate relationship with me. And that is huge. That is huge. We often don't think about how huge that is. 
the God of the universe wants to talk to me? That's amazing. That he would care about what I care about. That he would care about what hurts me. That he would care about what's in my heart. He would care about the things that bother me. And we go to him and we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, what's going on? I don't like this. And he comes and he says, I've got this. I love you. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing. And then Paul reminds us of the tenderness and compassion that he has given us. The tenderness and compassion we experience from him and also the tenderness and compassion we begin to see in our own hearts. As he says, I will take the heart of stone out of you and I will give you a heart of flesh. That tenderness and compassion, things begin to change in us because of the tenderness and compassion we've received from him. He's a beautiful Savior, a beautiful God. So Paul's telling us to think about all these things. He's not asking you if it's true or not. He's saying, if this is true, and we know it is, think about those things. That's where your identity is. He's telling us to focus on our identity, to go back to that, to go to those things, to, to chew over them again, to awe about them. Because in that identity, we find our unity together. And that brings joy. That brings joy. That brings joy to the pastors, to the elders. It brings joy to Christ. You want to make Christ happy? Go back to your identity and live it out in unity. So let's talk about the unity it completes Paul's joy, and that's what we've been talking about. It completes Christ's joy, the pastors and the elders. He says, it does this, we do this in our unity by being like-minded. What's it mean to be like-minded? Does it mean that we all think the same thoughts? No. I would hate it if you guys thought the things that I thought. Well, sometimes it would be good, but <laughs> sometimes I wouldn't want to think the things that you're thinking. You don't want to think the same things that everybody else is thinking. We don't want to think the same thoughts. But because there is a common, higher purpose in our reasoning that overshadows our own personal opinions we can be like-minded. Does that make sense? Do you understand that? There's a common overshadowing purpose in our reasoning. A common overshadowing purpose in our reasoning. And that gives us the ability to be one-minded, like-minded. And that common overshadowing purpose God's glory. God's glory. That's our purpose. It's His glory. That's why we exist, is for Him. 
We don't exist here for ourselves. We don't exist for our spouse or our kids. We don't exist for anyone else. We exist for God alone. Amen? We exist for Jesus Christ. For him and for him alone. Even the reason that we were saved, his salva- the salvation that he gave us, is for his glory. My salvation, the love that he shows me, the tenderness and compassion, the, discipl- the discipline, everything that he does in my life, this fellowship with the Spirit, is all for his glory. It's all for him. That is the overshadowing common purpose that we have, and that gives us like-mindedness. He says, by having the same love. Again, Paul takes us back to our identity in Christ. John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new command I give you, that you love one another. Then he says, as I have loved you, so must you love one another. So again, we go back to that awesome love, our identity in Christ. How has God loved me? How has Jesus loved me? How does he love me daily? How does he express his love to me? I take that as my example. I take that as my motivation to love you and to love you. And to love you and you and you and you and you and everybody else around me. That's my motivation, is how Jesus loves me. That's where I get it from. I go back to my identity to create unity. Then he says, by being one in spirit and purpose, one in spirit and and purpose. It's interesting that we share this common purpose. We share this common spirit. It is only one spirit. It's the spirit of God. That's it. It's one spirit. But yet he can be in all of us at the same time. It's the spirit of God. And it's one Spirit, and He is in you, and He is in me, and that makes us unified together with one purpose, one single minded purpose God's glory. This reminds me of Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul talks again. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen? One. One God, one Father, one Spirit, one baptism, one faith, one hope. 
one body, that's why we are one. That's why we are one. I just want to remind us what Simps reminded us of. He told us last week that we need to check our unity meter. We need to check our unity meter. And I would say that if we are not measuring up in unity, then we need to soak in our identity. If we are not measuring up in unity, then let's soak in our identity. Amen? Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Father God, we praise you and we thank you that you are who you are. That you've given us your life and that we have this this hope in you. We have this identity and we are the people of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are a community of Christ followers. Hallelujah. This is our identity in you, that you are everything, God. And I pray that you will remind us of this daily and of the love that we have received and the fellowship that we have with your spirit and the tenderness and compassion that we experience with you on a daily basis, Lord. Remind us of these things every day and every moment of every day so that we can live in unity for you and glorify you and that all men will know that, you are our, that we are your disciples by our love for one another, that they will see the unity in us and know that there is one God between them and that he is the God of each one individually and that you, God, oh God, our God, that you are our God individually and that you are our God corporately as one body with one purpose, one mind, and one spirit. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. And I, I pray for this, for our body in this way. Amen.